Welcome to the Cambridge Tech Podcast, talking all things technology from the heart of the UK's tech capital. Here are your hosts, Faye Holland and James Parton. Hi, I'm Faye. Hi, and I'm James. We're very much in that time of year where it's competition season. Last week, we had Clean Tech Venture Day. Uh, we've got the Trinity Braffield Prize coming up at the end of the month. And today, we're talking about Tech Nation's Rising Stars program. Indeed, we are. We've just spent the morning judging 16 Rising Star finalists for the East of England um, cohort. So we've decided to do something a little bit different on today's podcast. First of all, we've invited Anna Nadolna to talk to us about the programme and the regional final. But then what we're actually going to do is we're going to talk to the judges. So our regular listeners will know we cover, as James has just said, lots of different competitions. And we thought it would be interesting for many of our listeners to find out what the judges think, what do they look for in competitions, what do they look for in pitches and applications. So we're going to start off the conversation, first of all, with Anna. Hi, Anna, and welcome to the show. What a great event you pulled off today. Before we get into the detail of that, why don't you give us a little bit of history of the event, uh, Rising Stars and Tech Nation itself? Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I'm Anna, I'm the Scale-Up Engagement Manager for the East of England at Tech Nation. I have just recently joined, like just under three months, um, Tech Nation. So I was really, really, um, you know, excited to jump, you know, right into the program because when I joined, um, the program was already, competition was already being rolled out. Mm. Uh, it's... Uh, dedicated program for early stage scale-ups. It's in its fifth edition. The whole kind of concept is designed around showcasing and supporting innovative digital tech companies in the region across the UK. So ours definitely recreating a cohort for the east of England. For the first time, I think it was decided to have like a little road tour and dedicate um, a little bit of exposure and attention to the city winners. Across the UK, we had over 400 applications. Um, for the East of England, there were 16 uh, city winners. For Cambridge, Essex, Norfolk and Suffolk. Across various um, verticals and industry sectors from green tech, insure tech, ed tech, life sciences and yeah. obviously artificial intelligence. So. So today was a culmination of, it was the first actually in the UK regional final. So we are kind of... <laughs> I, th I think it's absolutely appropriate that we're the first in the UK. So being highly competitive as I am, I would say the 400 national entrants, how many did we get in the East of England? Do you know? From around 40 applications for the East of England and out of that 16 city winners were selected. Great. Thank you. Faye and I obviously were part of the judging panel today, so we saw 16 companies pitch today. And three winners will then obviously, as you say, be selected to move forward to the semifinals on the 29th of March, I think it is. How, how was the event for you? How did it go? What were your highlights? 
So my background is actually, I have been delivering the pitching competitions um, that they were later um, recognized on a national level. And it's great. I mean, I am vouching for my cohort. Um, it's absolutely inspiring and empowering to see in this difficult landscape, to see companies, you know, building their ventures, you know, organically and, you know, facing the challenges that there are, you know, with um, decrease in funding and other challenges as we are like, in for a for an interesting ride, you know, especially this year. So really great cohort, a wide variety. You've mentioned it yourself, um, a really diverse cohort as well with actually majority of female founders, which was a bonus to see a lot of female founders, you know, pitching their ideas. So overall, again, as I've noticed before, you know, from my experience and my background, technology is the easy bit. <laughs> is the story is actually the conveying the value proposition. Yeah. Um, that's always the challenge. And um, but I think they did really well. That's great. Thank you so much for your time. We're going to grab the judges now and have a little bit of a discussion between ourselves as to how it went and just about partaking in competitions more generally. So thanks very much, Adam. And we look forward to finding out who the winners are and whether. Cambridge in the east of England gets one of the national prizes. Looking forward to it. And again, thank you so much for your support today and joining the judging panel. Wearing our normal business hats, James and I were judges of this competition, as were Emmy Nicholl, Tim Robinson and Neil Griffin. So let's let them introduce themselves. So hi, I'm Tim Robinson. I'm Chief Operating Officer at Tech East, and we're the tech cluster organisation for the East of England. Thanks. I'm Amy Nicholl. I'm the MD of Cambridge Angels, which is an angel investment group uh, operating in and around Cambridge, investing in deep tech and life sciences. Hi, I'm Neil Griffin. I am an Innovation Director with Oxford Innovation, based at the University of Essex, and I help scale-ups to scale further up. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Emmy, you missed your other job title. Have you dropped that in 2023? <laughs> I haven't, no. Uh, my official job title is MD, aka Deal Sourcer, which was a slip of the tongue at the time. Um, it was meant to be the deal sourcer, as in the person who sources deals, came out of sourcer and stuck. Brilliant. Love it. So we're all regularly asked to judge competitions of all different types. And um, I think the first question, therefore, has to be, why do we do it? We're all very busy people. Why do we say, yes, of course, we'll judge? Well, it's always nice to be asked. So um, generally, if, if an organisation approaches me to be a judge on their awards or in a competition, I, I say yes, just because I'm sort of flattered to be approached. But, but I, do, I, I think the, the main reason I do it is to try and keep track of who's new and hot in the region. Because it's very difficult to do that. Uh, track the whole market and, and these competitions and, and, and awards are a really good way of sort of aggregating and bringing together ambitious founders. Yeah, selfishly, I too want to keep track of, of what's happening in the region, but um, less selfishly, I do see in excess of a thousand pitch decks a year. Uh, so I like to think that I can lend some experience to, to what these people are doing. I mean, I think, yeah, it's definitely nice to be asked. For me, I'm kind of passionate about the East of England, so actually I want to draw attention to the East of England. So things like bringing Tech Nation to the far reaches of Colchester, which we found out this week, is <laughs> um, good to highlight who we are, what we're doing. And, and you know, we had a, a, a Armakama from Colchester pitching today, which 
that's a, that's got to be a good thing for Essex and beyond, isn't it? So, yeah, is there an element of of raising our profiles? I guess potentially, but I also want to give feedback and some good pictures today. There were some pictures that could have been improved on for sure. Okay, well, we'll definitely come on to that. And James, what about you? Why do I do it? Mm. Um, <laughs> well, similar to everyone else. I mean, it's just trying to help support early stage businesses give them some perceived wisdom if we have that i don't know um but i think you know at this stage everything is every interaction you have as a founder in early stage company is important some founders take those and and run with them and i think they're the ones that are going to ultimately be the most successful So obviously you all did an amazing job on the panel and made it look effortless, but um, people might not know how much work goes into preparing for something like today's event. So who wants to talk us through maybe the preparation they did for the Tech Nation event today and, and other um, events you might have judged as well? Well, I'm happy to say that we got a, a really comprehensive deck of applications. So we were able to see a lot of information ahead of the pitches, which I think was really helpful. A three-minute pitch is not long, so it was really useful to have that information. Uh, my personal prep is I, I try and put myself in various personas. So I say, if I was the customer, would I understand this? If I was an investor, would I understand this? If I was a technologist, would I understand this? You know, I didn't spend hours poring over every application, but there is certainly a significant amount of time that goes into just understanding what they're going to pitch. I think it's right. There's a lot of prep work that goes because we're giving advice to people, we're giving input, we're hopefully making suggestions, maybe even following up with them. So, you know, the amount of time that we can spend just doing that pre-work, I think, is is really important. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, one's got to be quite disciplined about it because to do the job properly, you probably need to spend at least fifteen minutes, if not thirty, per company on you know having a look at them. In, in terms of applications. Uh, obviously, it helps to be at a live pitching event because you then get the pitching experience as well. But it is difficult to fit it in. However, I, I do think, going back to what we were saying earlier, bothering to do it properly does, does sort of reap rewards. And uh, it's also very interesting, I think, you know, personally, I knew some of the companies before today um, and I'd heard them present before. But it really is a level playing field, a process like this. So knowing a lot about the company in advance doesn't necessarily help. Yeah, I think for me, it depends on the on the format and also the organization doing it. So today, I think it was comprehensive. It's probably the best pack I've had pre-pitching. Uh, and I've got some coming up in a couple of weeks where I've got no idea who I'm judging. I'm just dropped in last minute. And actually, you've got a potentially five-minute pitch three-minute questions, and then you're having to think on your feet. So are you giving good advice? You're only giving what's in front of you. So actually, the more you can have ahead of time. Yeah, and, and there, was, there was a lot, but yeah, I did go through each pitch beforehand today and last week, so I had a bit of time to go through it and just ask the questions I wanted to, and to, you know, anything I didn't understand as well. It's good to, good to do that. And I, I think Amy probably said it earlier, my scores did, I had a form, you have a bit of preconception about what you might score them, but then that did change a bit from the the pitch because I think for me it's about trust and that person in front of you. Do you, you know, you look at it as an investor? Do you trust them with your money, kind of thing? So you can you can sway it in a presentation for sure. 
I think one of the things I enjoyed about today was the diversity of the applications. You know, they covered a lot of different sectors. And I think, you know, as a judge, well, I certainly can't be across everything that's happening in, in every sector. So I think having that pack and that preparation time is really important. So you can do your own little bit of background reading and, and hopefully come up with some questions that are helpful to the presenters as well. So let's talk about today's pitches a little bit then. Were there any that stood out for you? Some of the ones that I didn't expect to be wowed by were actually really impressive. Um, so in particular, Arma Karma, who I, I had met previously, I just thought they did an exceptional job of pitching today. Yeah, I was really impressed by Permetrics. I thought the clarity, both in the, the slides that we saw and, 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 and what we heard, was, was great. And it really explained what it is their proposition is. Um, and how they're getting on. And I think there is a way of doing pitches, you know, and, and, and a way of doing, you know, doing them well, and, 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 and there are ways that people can always learn to improve. And so, I, so it seems to me that the companies that have done the most pitching and had the most practice and maybe been on an investment readiness program or something like that were at an advantage to those who, who were, had less experience because it is an art and a skill to it. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. You could tell who'd practiced the pitch today and who wasn't prepared. I thought Canopy's pitch was good and it stood out for the right reasons. There was a couple of pitches that stood out for the wrong reasons. Um, one was a lack of knowledge, potentially. So if you're the CEO and you know the business, then you should turn up to a pitch. And I don't think you should be going over the top and scripting. Let's talk about some of those things then, pet peeves. You know, so is, is it really important that the CEO is here to do the pitches? I'm not a massive believer in titles, but I, but I think the person with the most information about the business needs to be there, for sure. Today, there was a technologist there who didn't really understand why they were in the competition. That's not good. The rising stars process, because it is situational. Some of these competitions are highly technical and you're judging businesses in essentially in the same category. So, for example, I did the DIT Tech Rocket Ship Awards end of last year and it was in the 5G category. So they're all 5G companies. So it was relatively easy to sort of calibrate. Whereas if you're, as James said earlier, judging across, you know, healthcare, agri-tech, consumer e-commerce or whatever – it really does matter that a sort of educated layperson can be communicated to. So you can't fall back on technical detail. You have to talk about the big things, market traction, who's in the team, what's their experience, investment, all those sort of things. But it goes back to what Emmy was saying. You put yourself in the different personas. So you've got to be able to understand it. It's got to be lay speak because you don't know, you know who you're talking to and who's judging you. Yeah, lay speak, but with with the depth behind it. I think that when you get the question, because you know who knows what the questions are going. It was a live process. None of our questions were scripted, and they evolved. You've got to be able to cover all the bases. And if you're a, fa a founder or a co-founder, then I think that would be maybe some feedback for teams. If you've got co-founders, making sure everyone's got the level of knowledge to be able to do these pitching competitions. Because I do understand that people are very busy in these early stage companies. You know, they might have a client meeting, they might be seeing an investor, they might be at a conference. There could be a whole range of reasons why they, they're not here on the day. But just making it clear upfront, uh, when you start presenting who you are, could maybe help deflect questions later on. So, for example, you know, if it's not the CEO, it's the CTO. If the CTO can't answer a market question, just saying, well, look, 
that would be a question better answered. Yeah, by my I, and I think I'm okay with that. I'm okay with deflecting it even in the room, even during a pitch. If if the person's struggling, that's that's not a problem. But give yourself the best chance in three minutes and put your best person forward. It doesn't matter who that that is. They just need to know their stuff. So I think my pet peeve is that uh, you just got to read the rules, and if the rules are you've got three minutes to present, then rehearse a three-minute presentation that gets everything you want across. Uh-huh. Because as soon as you go over, as soon as the, the the room knows that this person is now consuming the next presenter's time and the whole thing's going to run over, the kind of like the oxygen goes out of the room and I think it's just a, you've got to, you've got to stick to the rules. So sort of zero tolerance for uh, going over time, I think is, is fair. Yeah. The audience feels it, they're over time and... Today, there was a time where it didn't, no one stopped it. <laughs> so it's like, who's going to stop it? <laughs> so Especially you, when you can hear the alarm. Yeah, you, the so, you, so the, the, the rules are there for a reason. So yeah. you, and you can't, you know, do you get a 10% leeway in most things? Yes, you do. But if you're over by another minute or two, then yeah. then I'd probably score it down as well, actually, because I think you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, I kind of did, I think. And I, I think mine is laptops, you know. It, and it's not just today it's in multiple events that i've seen and been involved in people insisting using their own laptop and there's just no reason for it you've emailed your deck to thousands of investors probably so it's not a confidentiality thing there's the powerpoint versus keynote versus pdf thing you're here to enter a competition conform to whatever the competition is using it's not difficult the disruption it causes the it issues it can trigger as we saw today for a few minutes it's just it just is not worth it it really is not worth it, it causes yeah the person presenting yeah and that it throws you off really exactly it throws yeah. you off your rhythm it's just why do it please do not do it <laughs> or if if you've got an issue just speak don't use the slides you know they should be practiced yeah if you can't now. speak about your company in three minutes exactly exactly we, why, can. we can talk for a long time can't we yeah but yeah, those slides are important sometimes, especially for visuals, you know, like the uh, the power cube charging. Yeah, I mean, it was good to see something like that. But you, but you should be able to talk about your business for three minutes. If you are a startup looking to grow in Cambridge, the Bradfield Centre offers a range of flexible membership packages, which put you in control of your office and home working mix. There's a vibrant, collaborative atmosphere, on-site cafe, plenty of green outside space and regular member social events. We also offer a range of high-quality meeting spaces for hire and for tech event organisers, our auditorium, lakeside pavilion and atrium spaces are perfect to bring your communities together for in-person and hybrid events. For more information, visit bradfieldcentre.com or call 01223. Nine one nine six hundred. So, I mean, keeping it general, not specific to today, are there any other things? Like we, we had um, a, a conversation earlier on about the use of fragrant language, shall we say, in a pitch. You know, it kind of gets a little bit of a chuckle, but is it the right thing to do? Trouble is that, well... Perhaps the challenge is that you have to know your audience. You have to know who's in the audience and how it's going to land. And I'm not sure that you will always have that that intel. I think that you know, if you're going to use if you're going to use strong language, for example, you've got to be authentic about it. If it's if it's done for uh, effect, 
then it could backfire on you. If it's the kind of presenter you are, if it's the kind of founder you are, and you're going to make and and you've got enough of a brand to do it. So, for example, I heard a fantastic presentation not so many years ago from the CEO of an extremely well-known British manufacturing company that was laced with bag language throughout, and the individual really won over the audience by being informal and being authentic. But that was very different. That was a keynote speech rather than a pitching competition. So I think that maybe will be a difference. I think know your audience. I mean, there's a fine line between passion and being crude. And if I go and see a stand-up comic, I kind of know what I'm getting. And that's where I go. Yeah. Whereas to come to a pitching event, you kind of expect a certain level of professionalism. But, you know, it needs to be passionate. So there is, there is a, definitely a, a balance there for sure. Do you want me to weigh in on the swearing? <laughs> but being the worst culprit around the table, probably. It's a personal choice thing, I think. You know, it's, I agree with what's been said. You can't, you can't gauge 50 people in a room who's going to be offended and who isn't be offended. So just err on the side of caution and don't do it. So what advice would you give companies? So there's loads of competitions going on in Cambridge. What advice would you give for them? whether it's submitting. So we had today a lot of different responses in the written proposal and also from the pitching. I mean, I think my first piece of advice is is enter. You know, if in doubt, enter. Put an application form, even if you're not super confident. Because, you know, it's often the case with awards that, you know, when you get to the sort of long list stage, you know, perhaps there aren't enough companies on the long list to to, to be a, a fair spread. And actually there are companies out there who could have perfectly well got onto that long list by just filling in the form in the first place. So I think that would be my, my first thing. I think the second thing is, you know, as you say, there's lots of, hey, there's lots of these competitions. You know, who's organising it? Is it an important one? Is it linked to actually the possibility of the outcome that you're wanting, whether it's finding an investor or finding a customer or, or, or whatever? And I suppose the, you know, link to that, don't apply for things that you're not really interested in because if you do get through to the shortlist stage, it's going to be blindingly obvious to the the, the, the judging panel that you're not actually taking it that seriously. And that, for me, is a big no-no. We see it quite a bit as well. You, you know, you submit for it, but you've got to follow it through. There's a lot that, that you'll you'll tell them what the deadline is or, or, the, or the presentation date, and then they're not available for that date. You've got to put it in your diary. You've got to be willing to see it through. Yeah. I think in terms of the, the written pitch application and what we saw in the pitching today, uh, a, you know, a key piece of advice would be just to keep that consistent. So what you are pitching, the what is it, uh, needs to be exactly what we read in, in the pre, pre-application. And, and just as another tiny bit of pitching advice, uh, if you get the question that is any flavour of, but what is it, uh, you should know that you haven't quite landed it. Because <laughs> we did have a few of those, I think, where it was kind of the, the questions were along the lines of, okay, so what is the sexual thing? Yeah, I think for me, keep it simple. Even in the pretext, there was loads of jargon in there. It, tend, it tends to be from, I guess, more medical companies or uh, technical companies, software companies. But keep it in layman's terms. That that's, would be my biggest advice. Uh, I think Tim's right. If you're going to go for these competitions, commit to it. Otherwise, it's just a distraction, and you're not going to you're not going to do too well in that competition, and it, and it might not be right for you. So don't just enter everything. I don't believe you should just enter everything. Enter something that you really want to go for. Slide decks. You've only got three minutes. You don't need 10 slides. Uh, 
nor, nor do you need probably just two or three because you end up cramming all your data onto those slides. Just think about what you'd want to see and, and read, say, read the room and three minutes is not long enough. So keep it simple. One of the things that the hardest to read sometimes is who's in the team and what their experience is. So it definitely makes a huge difference. If you've got a fantastic team, so if you've got an amazing board or you've got an incredible co-founder who, you know, you just think, okay, well, this person is, I don't know, ex-head of operations at Jaguar Land Rover or this this person has, you know, sold a company to Google or whatever. You know, that is, that is gold dust. So... On the one hand, don't understate it when you've got something like that. And on the other hand, if the person's experience at, at one of the, the aforementioned companies is, is fairly junior, just be explicit about that because we're not here to be judgmental. We just like to know. I think it does make a huge difference to the credibility of the company. I want to just give a positive bit of advice. If you are pitching at a competition Try and remember that the judges are not there to pull you apart. We really didn't sit there with any intention to show anybody up or pick out anything uh, that was negative. So feel confident that the judges are on your side and the questions we're asking you are to try and help bring out the best in the, in the presentation because I, I hate the idea that people think that there's sort of panel of evil judges there. Fantastic. So I think we've been in this room now for something like six hours, so we probably all want to go. <laughs> but before you all disappear, uh, one last question. Anything happening that the audience should know about in 2023? Yes. <laughs> First thing is, so Tech East, we're taking a delegation to Mobile World Congress in February, and we are very keen to hear from businesses, whether they're in 5G and mobile or AI, or healthcare, or clean energy, anything that's really sort of 5G enabled, or, or metaverse, uh, who are early stage companies, probably couldn't afford to go normally, and would like a sort of fully subsidized uh, ticket and travel costs and things covered. So if you're interested, info at techeast.com. So there's a few events at the Innovation Center. So I'm actually running a high performance habits event at the end of the month, if anyone wants to sort of change their life i suppose and then we've also got some sales geek training going on just with you know with things that might be happening in the economy we're kind of focusing on sales and marketing and keeping that going through whatever may be coming because that visibility is really key i think for company growth i don't have anything particular to promote thank you but just uh, stay strong i think we're in for a, <laughs> a bit of a rough ride over the next couple of years but there's lots to be learned and lots of innovation so i, I think we're, we're, we're going to be okay can I plug? Can I plug on our own podcast? Yeah, you can plug. Okay. So my plug is 24th of January, the final of the Trinity Bradfield Prize here at the Bradfield Centre. So if you want to come along and hear the latest and greatest from Cambridge University, that is the place to be. And mine is the 2nd of March is the 21 to Watch event where we'll be announcing the 2023 companies, people and things. So another great episode, and there's no doubt in the future, we'll be inviting finalists and winners onto the podcast to talk to them individually. So keep tuned. Hopefully today's episode will have given some thoughts and some insights for those of you that are looking to enter competitions and awards to help your preparation. Today's show was produced by Carl Homer of Cambridge TV and supported by our media partner, Business Weekly. The Cambridge Tech Podcast is available on all major podcast platforms and on cambridgetechpodcast.com. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star review. It will really help others discover the show. 